Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. I'd like to talk to you about the promise of the Father. We've just been through Easter and we've been talking around what happened at Easter. But after Easter, 40 days after Jesus rose again, he ascended to heaven. And then 10 days later, he poured out his Holy Spirit and he called it the promise of the Father. And this is an interesting phrase. Let me read it to you from Acts chapter 1. He also refers to it in Luke 24, 49, and in Galatians 3, verse 14. It is called the promise of the Father. And in other places, it's referred to as well. But let me read you this main passage in Acts chapter 1. It says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus was with them, the 120 who were still following him in the upper room, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So he had reinforced the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he went on to say they would receive power and they would go out and be witnesses to him. But this phrase, the promise of the Father, and the way that it's spoken about, we're going to see it referred to in Acts 2, the very next chapter. After the Spirit is poured out, Peter gives a speech and he speaks again of the promise as if it was something people knew about and they were waiting for. They were familiar with the idea that God had promised something. It's a bit like a Christmas present where a parent says to their child, if you can just wait till Christmas morning, you can open your gifts. It will be there. It'll be a special gift, the latest, whatever it is. But this is eternal life related. And this is so important. The promise, the promise of the Father. You know, when God the Father makes a promise, He's not an earthly Father. Jesus referred in Luke 11, 11 and 13, where he speaks about earthly fathers will give good gifts to their children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's the gift of the father, the promise of the father, the Holy Spirit. Now, you may say, why does it need to be promised? Because wasn't it available, this gift before Jesus. What about in the Old Testament? Surely the Holy Spirit was moving and working right from creation all the way through. Yes, he was, but it was in a different way. And it was so different that Jesus made a big deal of it. And he said, the promise of the Father, when the Holy Spirit is not just given at a certain time and place and then withdrawn or, or moving in a certain way, he's poured out and available to all people, all who believe in God, who, who have received Jesus, can be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized. He says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That word baptized, baptizo, is a Greek word which literally means to be dipped or dunked or submerged. And he says, you will be completely immersed in the Holy Spirit, not many days from now, but wait for the promise of the Father. You know, when God makes a promise, He is saying, I am staking my character on this. I am saying, I will do this. And He has made a promise and you can bank on it. My friend, have you followed Jesus through? We've spoken in the last few talks about how 
some people just know Jesus as a baby or even promises from the Old Testament. Some know him as a baby, some know him as an adult teacher, and they just love his teaching. Some see him as the crucified Christ on the cross. Some have followed him through into the resurrection, but we need to follow him all the way through to his ascension and his pouring out the Spirit, the promise of the Father, and then go out and be witnesses to him. If we haven't followed Jesus all the way through the Gospels and the book of Acts, we are missing out. And I want to say to you today, God has promised something beautiful, important, powerful, wonderful, the Holy Spirit being poured out and for you to be filled and immersed. So let's look at why he called it the promise of the Father. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28, many years before the, the New Testament, it was prophesied by God and it said, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, not just the prophets, not just the king, not just the priests, not just the certain people for certain tasks. I will pour out my Spirit liberally on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Now that's a startling statement because the children, sons and daughters, weren't thought to be worthy of being anointed. And daughters especially. It used to be mainly men who were anointed. But now sons and daughters shall prophesy. And I want you to take note of that word prophesy or prophecy because it comes up so many times in this subject. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, also on my men servants and on my maid servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days. So God had promised, the Father had promised that there was going to come a time when the Holy Spirit was given. They would have known about this promise. What about some other promises? Isaiah 32 uh, verse 1 says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness. And princes will rule with justice. He's talking about when his Messiah comes. And then in verse 15, he says, Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. The work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. He's describing what will happen. There's going to be deserts turned into forests and peace and, and righteousness and assurance just being blessed on us, just poured out as a blessing upon us. That's the promise of the Father. What about Ezekiel 36, 26? These are times when the Father promised the Holy Spirit and why the disciples were so excited to receive this gift. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So these were promises that the father made. Do you remember at the end of 
Luke, when Jesus has risen again and he's walking for three hours on the road to Emmaus with two disciples. And it says he opened up the scriptures and showed them from all of the Old Testament about himself and all the different verses. And I'm sure he would have pointed to these verses about the Holy Spirit and the promise because the the disciples knew it was coming and they were anticipating it. And Jesus would have reminded them this is promised in the Old Testament. You know, when, when I make a promise to my children, I do it for several reasons. One, because I want to bless them and I love them. But two, because I want them to trust me and start to rely on my promises and know daddy is trustworthy and it builds trust and strength of relationship between us. God wants you to trust him. He calls his promises, his great and precious promises. It's exceedingly great and precious promises. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God wants you to grab onto his promises. The other thing that the disciples and the believers would have been aware of were examples in the Old Testament of when the Holy Spirit was given as a foretaste of what was to come. So the first is in Numbers 11, when Moses is leading the children of Israel through the wilderness and he is guided by his father-in-law to appoint 70 other leaders to help him in this task. And in verse 25, it says, then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, spoke to Moses, that is, and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Verse 29, then Moses said to him, are you zealous for my sake? So uh, Joshua, his aide, was, was upset because there were some people who were in the town instead of in the place where they were supposed to receive the spirit and and they were starting to prophesy even though they hadn't been there they were part of the 70 but they had been in a separate place and Moses says are you zealous or, or worried on my behalf oh that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them this is a foretaste Moses was prophesying in advance and saying this is what God wants to do for all of his people. He wants to pour out his spirit. He wants to make them all kings, all priests, all prophets, all able to prophesy. Uh, He wants to bless everybody with the spirit. This is part of the promise of the Father. Another example is when the kings were anointed and the main one is Saul, the first king ever chosen for the nation of Israel. And in 1 Samuel 10 verse 6, it says, Then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And a few verses later, when they came up there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. So the disciples in the upper room, the 120, would have been thinking not just of the promises in the Old Testament, of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not just of Moses's prayer and wish that it would happen to all people, but of examples like with King Saul, when the Holy Spirit came upon him and he prophesied and he was turned into a different man. There's another very strange example with King Saul when 
David is now the anointed king, but Saul is chasing him to kill him. And David hides among a group of prophets. And when Saul's men come into that group of prophets or Saul himself come into the group of prophets, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they prophesy. That's in 1 Samuel 19 verses 20 onwards. But now I want to tell you about how it happened and show you that the promise is for you. He actually says specifically, he mentions us, you and I, who are hearing this word today. He mentions us and he says the promise is for us. But let me backtrack to Acts chapter 2 verse 1 and it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, Pentecost simply means 50 days, 50 days after the Passover. So Jesus was crucified on the Passover 50 days later. Uh, 40 days he was with them, then he ascended to heaven, and then 10 days they waited in the upper room, and then on the 50th day, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, all 120 of them. Now, there were multitudes who had followed Jesus during his earthly ministry, but only 120 remained in Jerusalem faithfully, worshipping, praying in unity in one accord. Verse 2, And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So there's a sound that they hear and the the whole house is filled with the sound. Verse 3, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. So fire starts to come down. They look and they can see fire and it starts to separate and rest upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I just emphasize the word all? All filled. Not just Peter, James, John. Not just the 12. Not just the 70 who had been sent out in Luke chapter 10. No, no. All 120. Even Rhoda the slave girl who's mentioned later in the book of Acts. Even the person whose name is not mentioned. Even the the little, little ones. The unimportant ones. The... The the new ones who maybe had just come into the group recently, all, every single one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They started speaking in other languages. And it goes on to describe how amazingly, because it was the Feast of Pentecost, there were Jews from all over the known world in Jerusalem that day who spoke so many different languages And when these people spilled out into the streets, still speaking these languages, everybody recognized their own language and they were amazed. And they said to Peter, what's going on? Are they drunk? Because they seem to be acting in an unruly, weird way. And Peter said, no, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. But this, let me read to you what what Peter says Uh, in verse 16. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. So he's quoting that promise that we read earlier from the book of Joel. But he actually adds four words. He adds at the end, and they shall prophesy. That's not in the book of Joel, but he emphasizes the prophecy part. Now, please just notice here what's happened. 
they were speaking in tongues. They were speaking out languages when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Jesus had promised you will receive power. You'll be my witnesses. It'll be like you're baptized, not in water, but in the Holy Spirit. They started speaking these languages. The people said to Peter, what is this? What is going on? And Peter said, this is the fulfillment of Joel's words where he said, I will pour out my spirit and everyone will prophesy. In other words, tongues equals prophesying. What is prophesying? It's simply speaking God's words. Now, in this case, they happen to be in another language, but it's the same thing, speaking words that come from God. And in the Old Testament, with Moses choosing the 70, with King Saul getting anointed, uh, in the pro promise from the book of Joel, prophecy is the sign speaking out God's words. And it just happens that it was in another language in Acts chapter 2. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, the Sumerians received the Holy Spirit. And Simon the sorcerer sees that as the apostles lay hands, something happens. And he says, I want that. Let me give you money so that when I lay hands on people, the same thing happens. It doesn't say they spoke in tongues, but it's pretty clear. In Acts 10, uh, sorry, Acts 9, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, Cornelius' household are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul speaks in tongues. We know that because he tells us in 1 Corinthians 14. In Acts 10, again, they speak in tongues just the same. And in Acts 19, the Ephesians are filled with the Spirit and they speak in tongues. So the, the pattern is this. God promised it in the Old Testament. He said prophecy would result. In Acts 2 and several other places throughout the book of Acts, prophecy is the result, but it's in another language. But that's not the only result. Being filled with the Spirit results in all those things that were promised, uh, dreams, visions, the, the dry ground becomes fruitful and eventually becomes a forest, righteousness, peace, uh, power. All of these things come with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Let me read on what Peter said to them. So he gave the speech, he explained, and he explained how Jesus had died for them. And in verse 36, Therefore, all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's the end of Peter's sermon. Verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, and I'm just going to say this to you, my dear friend, exactly the same thing. You may have heard this. You may have heard me describing how we follow Jesus, not just as a baby at Christmas, not just as a man teaching lovely things, not just as a crucified one on a cross, but all the way through resurrection and to receiving this power, you may say, well, what do I do? Peter said in verse 38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says three things, repent, that means be willing to turn around and give God control of your life, be baptized, which means being put underwater as a sign that I am being put into Jesus's death and resurrection. It's, it's just a symbol of, of what's happened to me. I've been identified with Christ. I've been buried with Christ. The old me is gone and now a new me comes up. He says, repent and be baptized 
and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, is he saying we'll receive it the same as they did? Is that what he's saying? He goes on, for the promise, the promise, the promise that we've spoken about, that we've looked at in the Old Testament, that the disciples were expecting, that was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. He says, for the promise is to you, in other words, the people in Jerusalem on that day. It's for you as well. It's not just for us 120, because Joel had promised that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh, on all people, all nationalities, all types of person. The promise is to you and to your children. In other words, if there are others in your family who are not here, you can go and tell them. And to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And that's you and that's me. You say, how do I know if I'm in this group? Well, you are afar off because we're far away from Israel, probably when you're hearing this. And it says, as many as the Lord our God will call. You say, how do I know if, I, if I'm being called? Because if you're feeling being drawn towards God or wanting this promise, that's God drawing you. You say, how do you know that, Greg? How do you know it's God and not just my own emotions? In John 6, Jesus says, no one can come to the Father, can come to me unless the Father draws him. You can't come towards Jesus unless God is drawing you. If you have a desire to come closer to God, you are being called and drawn by God right now. And he says this promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and everyone who the Lord our God will call to all who are afar off. Praise the Lord. Isn't God generous? You know, the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit have had a revival in the last century or so. From about the turn of the century in 1900, 1905, 1906 onwards, the Holy Spirit's power started being experienced around the world more and more. In Azusa Street in America is a famous one, but it was happening in South America, in Wales, in Africa, in Korea, in Australia, New Zealand. It was happening all over the world around that time. God was reviving the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. And they came to be called Pentecostals, the Christians who believed in these gifts. And they are by far the fastest growing religious group in the world right now. 25% um, of all people who call themselves Christians are considered Pentecostals right now. And it's growing so fast that by the year 2050, which isn't that far away, they predict there will be a billion Pentecostals in the world. It is multiplying and growing because God is doing something and the promise is for all, for all who are afar off. Now, what do we do with this? What do you and I do with this? You know, we said that God promised it and that Jesus said that he had reaffirmed those promises. Let me just tell you about two of those. The first is in John chapter 7, verse 37. Jesus is at the feast and he stands up and he says in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from his innermost being. And then it goes on to say, by this he meant the Holy Spirit. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Let him just believe, just believe. You don't have to be good or perfect or have jumped through a whole lot of hoops. You just ask and believe. And he said, streams of this Holy Spirit living water will flow from deep within you, out of you. That's the first promise where Jesus reaffirmed what the Father had promised. 
And then in Luke 11, Jesus is talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says uh, in verse 11, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If your child asks you for bread, would you give them a stone? No. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Would you give him something bad? No. Would you give him something different to what he asked for? No. If he asks for something good, bread or a fish or an egg, you will give it to him. Verse 13. Please listen to these words. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Not to those who are good, perfect, deserved it, have a university degree, have been a Christian for 30 years. No, simply those who ask him. On your children, sons and daughters, I will pour out my spirit. On my men servants and maidservants, on all flesh, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. And so all we have to do is go to our father. We say, God, thank you that you're my father, that you've forgiven my sins by Jesus' death. You are my father. You love me. It's not because I deserve it. Please, can I have not a fish, not an egg, not some bread. Please, can I have more of your Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father? And he says, yes. You say, how do I know? He says, yes, because he told me he says, yes. Jesus said he will give. It's something you can bank on. It's a guarantee. He said, if you ask, he will give. And so what I do is I just believe. I just say, thank you, God. I don't keep begging and saying, please, please, please. I ask once and then I thank him that he has given me, filled me with his Holy Spirit. And then I start to do the things that he says I can do. You know, when Jesus called Peter to come and walk on the water, he just said one word, come. And Peter started acting on it. He didn't say, Jesus, are you sure? Can you say it again in another three different ways? He just started putting his foot on the water. When God says, I will give you my Holy Spirit, you say, please, then you say, thank you. And then you start to speak. And I encourage you to, to not speak in a language you know, but just to start to speak and allow God to give you prophecy and tongues and healing and righteousness and peace and joy and all the gifts that he wants to give. Father God, please fill my friend right now with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.